Chase, welcome to the To Be Named podcast. Yes, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, excited to speak with you. And so for the audience, uh, I'm going to give a quick introduction to the Wolfshire, uh, which Chase and his wife, Sierra, have started. Uh, and then we'll ask Chase some questions and learn more about what it's like to be a wool pillow maker. So Chase and his wife, Sierra, uh, they married in 2019 and they built a home in northern Idaho. And as they moved away from their nine to five jobs and focused on their their own home and family, they grew toward a more natural way of living and the food that they eat, the clothes that they wear, and the pillows that they sleep on. Uh, and they discovered that while modernity brings great comforts, it's also short-sighted in much of its innovations. And problems it claims to fix are often riddled with even more cancerous results. Uh, and this is one reason they find themselves looking to the past and to nature to find solutions to the present and future. And as an aside, I'll add, you know, I don't think you guys are the only ones who go through these types of experience. Having your kid uh, or expecting a baby on the way was was probably the catalyst for starting to look into some of these things. But it's interesting to hear everyone has a different catalyst and they go through the process from different angles. And you're kind of stunned that hey, this thing that I thought was healthy isn't healthy. And then you start asking questions about all sorts of things that are in the house. Back to some of the intro, after they had their first baby, uh, they took a look at the role that plastics were playing uh, in the startling rise of infertility. Taking steps to remove this stuff that we know is toxic um, is a great step in the right direction. So Chase and Sierra came to realize that ultimately they were going to need an alternative to laying their head on this conglomerate of plastics, glues, and poisonous chemicals for eight hours every night. And they discovered wool to be the perfect material for a pillow. Wool is naturally flame retardant, self-cleaning, temperature regulating. Uh, moisture wicking, very cozy, and it's been used for thousands of years by humans. Uh, Chase and Sierra started the Woolshire to bring us back to the way things should be, which is organic, local, and sustainable. They make their pillows by hand with the most high quality organic cotton and wool one can find, 100% USA made and 100% USA grown. And they've currently got a few pillows. Uh, we'll ask about the product line and, and what's coming down the pike. And their mission is to take down big pillow and the toxic textile industry. And in the process, create a world with less plastic and more sheep. Chase, maybe you can give your own summary and then tell us what it's like, you know, a day in the life of a pillow maker with wool. Yeah, that was a great, great intro. I know I got a lot of it from the, from the website, but, uh, so I'm thanking my own self also, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, um, I, I was raised, my mom, uh, had me raised like on organic food, but that time, you know, 20, 25 years ago, you know, there wasn't like a ton of organic options and, uh, most people just ate like granola and kind of that, that style, you know, of food. And uh, so it's always been with into adulthood. Uh, you, you go for more convenience. And um, yeah, was once I, once we started having a family, started planning our life, I started looking at, you know, like, what are we actually eating? Because I wouldn't just go for like organic label stuff. That's really not, you know, that's not really, that's something. But, you know, they say like uh, organic rat poison is still rat poison. Um, so 
that uh, food and then just opening my eyes to, you know, you don't think about a lot of people don't think about it, but textiles, you know, you look at what are we wearing and where did it come from? When did we start wearing textiles, uh, you know, synthetic textiles? And so I, I went down this rabbit hole of um, my, you know, going into my own personal closet and finding out like where, where, where are they, where did they come from? What are they made of? How are they made? And um, yeah, I was just shocked. Like everything I found in, in, you know, they don't, it's not on labels or anything, but it's all treated with formaldehyde. It's treated with all sorts of chemicals to keep it, you know, um, not wrinkly. There's a lot of different processes that go in. And then, you know, even inorganic cotton, just conventionally grown cotton is grown with a ton of pesticides. It's one of the most heavily sprayed crops in the world. Um, so yeah, I started go going a little crazy and uh, started throwing out all my synthetic clothes and my wife thought I was a little bit nuts, but uh, when we had a baby, it really, it really hit me because you know, when you have a baby, you just want the best for them. You want to provide them with, you know, the best because there's there's an obvious um, crisis going on where, you know, people are growing up with, you know, hormone issues, hormone imbalances, cancers, and, and you know, autism, everything is increasing. And I'm not saying 100% of this is from your pillow, but, uh, but like you said, it's a contributing factor. You know, it's likely a contributing factor. And so, yeah, you wanted to make uh, Frederick, our son, we wanted to give him a good mattress and everything we would find on Amazon, which, you know, consumers just go to Amazon generally. Um, it would be like organic cotton cover, but the inside would be polyester uh, synthetic materials. And so we just decided to make him uh, a wool mattress. And I've always liked wool. I've always really uh, been attracted to wool sweaters and I think it's just really nice fiber. But um, after reading more about how wool has been used for, you know, thousands of years, or like you said, more uh, by humans. I just thought it's a perfect material for sleeping. So we made him a mattress and then, uh, and then we thought we should make ourselves, you know, pillow, you know, it's hard to make a, a queen size mattress, but um, we made ourselves pillows. And then that was kind of how we got started. Nice. Yeah. That's a very cool journey. Before our conversation, I was thinking about my experiences with wool and I, had wool socks when I would go skiing as a kid. And I always associated wool with keeping you warm. But then I got into backpacking and I would go on these national park trips. I still do. And I bring these wool socks and they're just as good in the summertime in the heat as they are in the winter because they wick. And so that kind of broke my brain a little bit i specifically remember the trip five years ago where i thought like these are really comfortable why am i not wearing more wool all the time and so i've got wool socks that you know i'll wear around quite a bit any type of organic material just seems to be more enjoyable <laughs> against the skin maybe there's some placebo going on but it's the type of placebo I don't mind supporting. And I do believe there's, you know, there's real science behind uh, the frequency of material. You put on an organic cotton shirt or any of that material against your skin, it feels better than synthetic. And I think we've gotten away from trusting our intuition on a lot of these things. Instead of over complicating and overthinking things, let's return to the basics and use what's been used for thousands of years. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I um 
I used to go, th you know, thrift storing to find quality wool sweaters. And, and that's the thing. You, you can find a, a wool sweater from like the 1950s and it's still like in good shape, even if it was, you know, well used. But try to find like a synthetic sweater from the 1950s, 1960s. And, you know, it's usually, I mean, usually not there because it's riddled with holes and it breaks down. But yeah, wool is a great, um, you know, for active wear. It's, you know, it's, it's moisture wigging abilities that keep a sheep comfortable you know, also provide the same comforts for, uh, for us humans. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So I want to talk about the production process, but before we actually get into that, I want to speak a little bit more about the actual, um, the, the properties of wool as compared to the alternatives that are out there. And what I'm going to attempt to do is play one of your Instagram videos here, because I thought it just did a great job. So we will play that. And then I'd love to hear you talk about uh, some of the content. Okay. So help us understand how can something be labeled a flame retardant and not actually stop uh, flame? In the video, you, you light it on fire and it starts to melt the polyester. And so can you speak about why these things don't even work as advertised and what the danger and all those chemicals is right next to your head at night? Yeah, I think it's I think it's largely bureaucracy and the illusion of safety, right? Because it, it does, the flame retardant does help. You know, if, if you've ever lit, you know, gasoline on fire or anything like that, you could, you know that it's it's extremely explosive. Like the flame, the, the fumes of gasoline are explosive. So the flame retardant does help, you know, essentially, you know, crude oil mixed, turned into a fiber is, is, is very, very uh, flammable. So it certainly helps, but um, but no, it's still a very very highly flammable product. And you know, like I said, the illusion of safety to be able to label you know these things as, as safe and not flammable or or containing flame retardant. You know, it's not uh, it's not real. It, they are very you know they're very flammable. And you know, sometimes on children's clothing, it'll say like "keep away from fire." You know, these polyester garments. And it's 100% true, like that, that is that a nightmare because uh, it won't just catch on fire, but it melts. And so it just sticks to your skin and then it just melts, you know, burns farther and farther. So um, yeah, it's a recipe for disaster. God forbid you get in a house fire, but it'd be terrible. Uh, 
you know, last way to die is uh, melting into your mattress. So you heard it here first. If you haven't already thrown out all your synthetic clothes and materials <laughs> and returned to cotton, now's the time. You've already mentioned some of the properties of wool. What are some of the other kind of beneficial uses that I might feel when I use wool to sleep with? Yeah, so like like we said before, uh, the temperature regulation is is a big deal because you know when you're sleeping, you're trying to stay at an optimal temperature. I, I don't remember what the temperature is, but um, but sleeping on polyester it doesn't help you cool down at all. But wool actually helps regulate your temperature, so you get a better night's sleep from that. Uh, second, the moisture wicking effect. We also mentioned that, but um, you know, you everyone sweats when they sleep. It just depends on how much, depending on who you are as a person. But uh, wool is actually able to to take the moisture and then repel it, and as opposed to synthetic, basically just absorbs it. So it absorbs it and it creates this environment. You know, you don't you wouldn't feel how wet it is, but the microscopic level, it's it's very moist, and then it creates this environment where bacteria can thrive, where dust mites can thrive. Um, speaking of dust mites, wool is uh, naturally immune to dust mites. So uh, there's a few reasons for that, but the main one is um, the structure of the fiber is 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 so that dust mites actually can't penetrate wool so they can't go into wool and then harbor and then create which is a major thing that no one really talks about um dust mites you know in in synthetic mattresses and synthetic pillows and even in goose down pillows uh, dust mites they get in there they breed and um unless you're washing your unless you're washing your um bedding with with really hot water to kill them or freezing them um, they'll just stay alive and they'll just keep multiplying and that creates allergens and it's also pretty gross. Fascinating. Thank you for sharing that. So where we'll go next is I've got another, the second and the last video that I'd like to share from your social media. Um, this one talks about the shearing process. And the reason that I want to play it is, you know, many people coming from a good place are potentially concerned, not just with wool, but any organic products um, that uses animal parts. And, and oftentimes animals are, you know, killed. Um, I, I eat red meat because I believe it's very nutritious for us, but I also care about the way in which the animal is harvested, you know, with dignity and also raised. And so there's, I mention all this because there's nuance in the spectrum of um, when animal products are involved or not, sheep, you know, not killed in the harvesting of wool, but people may also have concern about, you know, does the animal need that that was just, you know, harvested from it? And is it okay afterwards? And is, is it done in a humane way? And so I thought um, this video did a really great job of talking about some of that. So um, I'll get your opinion on it. But first, let's you share the screen?
Okay. So yeah, tell us tell us more about the shearing process. Yeah, so sheep have been uh, domesticated for their wool, largely for their meat as well, but um, throughout throughout the centuries, largely for their wool. So, and the way we've bred them is they require to be shorn. So, so every year a wool a sheep gets its coat, and you, usually they're shorn annually. There's some breeds that can be shorn twice a year, and there's some there's some sheep actually that don't need to be shorn at all. They just shed their um, they shed their wool naturally. They look a little bit, you know, splotchy in, in certain times of year, but, but um, yeah, sheep they they get they get their coat, and then before summer, or right at summer, they get shorn, and this helps the sheep, you know, basically like it'd be like wearing a, a giant wool coat. It would be very uncomfortable, very hot. Um, so I'm not going to say that sheep love this process. I'm not going to say you know they're looking forward to shearing day. It's probably the worst day of their year, but it's nothing. There's no, there's no pain involved. There's, you know, a good shear um, makes sure that the sheep isn't fed the day before, which can cause some gastrointestinal issues during shearing. But um, as long as the shearing, as long as the shearer is good and professional, um, there's no, there's virtually no, you know, no pain or anything that would go into it. So sheep are shorn. It takes probably less than 10 minutes, maybe five minutes and, uh, and less, you know, there's competitions and things, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's a pretty painless process. And in the end, the sheep definitely are much happier. Yeah. And, you know, it's, a, it's probably a scary thing to hear some shearers going, um, and, you know, facing that, but, uh, yeah, in the end they're, you know, I've been to a lot of shearings and they walk away very happy and, um, you know, enjoying the, the fresh breeze on their skin. Nice. They anthropomorphize them a little bit. <laughs> Very cool. So now let's shift and talk about the supply chain. On your website, you mentioned using 100% uh, organic Texas cotton. We've talked a lot about the sheep and where the wool is coming from, but that's not the entire story of the product necessarily because there is cotton. But then also how the pillow is created. And I know you guys are based in Northern Idaho. So are you shipping from there uh, around the country? Do you serve international folks? What's the operation look like? Yeah, we get our cotton. It's a, it's a long staple cotton, uh, meaning that it's, it's an old growth. It's an old world growth, um, which it produces a, a much finer, um, a higher thread count and, and a more durable cotton. Um, cotton has changed a lot over the years and, and I'm sure like you see the same with food, with hybridization. Um, this, this cotton that we use is an old world, uh, variety. And so we really like it and it's also grown in Texas. So we wanted to keep everything American made <clears throat> and, uh, and then support, you know, American sm small businesses and farms in the process. Um, and then it's grown organically. And another reason we decided to go, um, American made is because there's a lot of organic cotton out there on the markets. Um, and if you, if you went on Amazon, you type the organic cotton, this or that, uh, most of it is actually not organic. And this is because there's virtually no regulation in the textile industry. So, uh, most of the, most of the organic cotton is coming from China or India and they use cotton as a buzzword, you know, in, in translation and, uh, cause it gets a higher price and, you know, more sales. Um, most of it is not organic and 
and there's also like no penalty for lying. So there's not only very little regulation, but there's no penalty for lying. So you, you have as a business in, in China selling cotton, you have um, a pretty big incentive to lie. Um, when our cotton is, uh, it's certified, uh, USDA certified organic cotton, and it's also uh, third, uh, certified through a third party, party called GOTS, um, Global Organic Textile Standards. And uh, this ensures that it's truly organic, it's truly organic product. And that's one thing that buying in America basically ensures that, that the cotton is organic. Um, we get that shipped up to us in, um, it's woven and we get it shipped up in 93 inch rolls. They're very, very large and uh, kind of difficult to work with. And we've converted our basement into a pillow factory for the time being. Um, and we basically just roll it out cut strips, um, cut basically pillowcases, and then sew those. And then we get our wool, and then we craft our pillow, and uh, and then we stuff the wool into the pillow, sew them shut, and then we ship out of Northern Idaho. Yeah, very cool. Did you have any experience sewing, you know, you know the, the handwork of putting these things together? What was that learning process like? Yeah, my wife and I both did not have sewing experience. Um, the guy in the shearing video is actually a good friend of ours, and he um, he's like an expert um, sewer seamstress, and uh, he's the one that sold us this industrial sewing machine. So he he gave us a ton of lessons, and it was really really handy. Like everything kind of came together, you know, when we were building the Woolshire. Um, it was a real blessing. Like every every process, you know, every step of the way, we were just amazed that um it all worked out so well and uh yeah now we're basically you know we we do this every day so um we had to do a lot of trials we had to build a lot of prototypes throw them in the washing machine see what happens to them um we tried in the in the beginning we tried filling the um filling the wool the filling the cotton cases with loose wool which is it's a lot cheaper and it's it's easier to get and it's a lot cheaper and uh, it just ended up making really like lumpy pillows. And so we found this carding mill in Montana that basically takes raw wool, then they clean it in hot water and organic soap. And then they run it through this huge machinery from the turn of the century. Um, and it's, it's called a carding machine. It has a series of teeth and it's a series of drums. And it basically pulls all the wool, wool until it aligns it. Um, you know, I think it's on that video, but. Uh, or one of the videos I posted, but it, it basically pulls all the wool, aligns them all in the same direction, and then we get these really nice bats. And so the batting ensures that the wool doesn't lump up over time or, you know, become uncomfortable. And then it also like retains its loft a lot better like that. And so, yeah, we had, had experimented with making shapes and uh, cutting and um, a lot of, a lot of prototypes went in, a lot of pillows went to family and friends and, um, and then we finally found like a really good method that works for us. And, and that's what we stuck with. Awesome. You know, anytime we, uh, do things with our hands so often we're in front of computers. And so for me, anecdotally speaking, uh, just the act of creation or doing something with your hands can be a very meditative experience in, in some sense of the word. Do you find that to be the same when you guys are creating? Yeah. I think who we are as humans, I think it's, it's built into all of us. And so I think we all desire that, um, you know, this digital age is, is, is brand new. And so, um, 
we all desire to return to something like that. Maybe not, you know, in the forefront of our minds, but um, definitely in our minds. Um, yeah, I was working in construction um, for a number of years, and there's some of that, you know, you you get you get a, the benefit of that and seeing what you built and everything. Um, but there's just so many toxins in, in in construction, like drywall and you know cement fiber siding. You're you're cutting it, you're breathing it in all day. So to be able to work with organic materials like wool and cotton and uh, and craft them with our own hands and, and send them out, knowing that we're likely replacing um, a synthetic pillow, yeah, it feels really good. It's really yeah. really rewarding. Yeah, it must be very rewarding. Okay, I want to hear about some of the current focus um, in terms of products and then future products focus and, and where the Woolshire is, you know, you see it going. Uh, we just started in, in December, really. So it has grown really like a lot in the past two months. Um, it's hard to know how much, like how, if it'll keep growing at that same speed or, you know, it's hard to know, but we, uh, we really didn't want to um, like run out of material or anything. So we bought a lot of fabric um, in bulk and we're, we just keep an eye on that. And, and then we're we're only four hours from the carding mill in Montana, so we can, we only need like they only need like three weeks' notice from us for wool. So we can we can keep scaling pretty well, like based on those relationships. Um, but yeah, uh, we I don't think we'd ever. We're, we're both like uh, you know pretty keen on on doing things ourselves, and then like yeah, keeping everything uh, local. Yeah, that's awesome. Well. We'll shift to the last question that I have. I hearing about your guys' journey to get to where you are, maybe something you can share for inspiration for others. And then the second part is what are other areas that you guys are looking at in terms of wanting to replace toxic items that you, you may still have to use? Yeah. Yeah. What what I would say to people looking to start is um I think it's really important that we all come from a place of gratitude, you know, and like being aware of what we have. We're, we're all extremely blessed and uh, and being grateful and thankful for those things. I think if you're ever going to build anything, that's you have to start, you know, on yourself, in yourself. And uh, it's nothing's ever going to fix you, you know, like nothing's ever. You can't just create a brand and you think your life's going to be uh, perfect. I think if you come come from that place uh you, you'll likely fail or just be miserable um and then you have to love what you're doing you know you have to you can't think about it in terms of making money uh, because you know that's that doesn't satisfy and and you'll burn out you know but if but like i love wool like i'm in love with the wool i'm in love with our pillows like i think i think they're just really nice like i i personally think they're like the highest quality pillow on the market as far as natural goes um, it's hard to compete with synthetics because they've they've got scientists, you know, making them certain thicknesses and things. But um, yeah, I mean, not not to my own horn, but like I I love what I do and uh, I love the materials I work with. Um, that's really important. There's a ton of opportunity. Like there's so many things that we use every day that are toxic. Uh, makeup is one a huge one. Like if you look at what it's in makeup, uh, most of them contain titanium dioxide. 
um, which I I don't remember exactly. I know it's a carcinogen, but uh, I know it's not ideal to be putting on your skin every day um, or having around babies. And um, there's there's a few uh, organic makeup companies that I've seen getting started up. I think one is uh, Toops, T-O-U-P-S. Uh, they're a pretty big company now. Um, but Sierra got to make it from them, so she really likes it, and they've got really clean ingredients. Uh, of course, Bandman, um, yeah. he's, he's got a great tallow line. Um, there's there's a lot of opportunity, you know, to replace things that we just, you know, take for granted. We use every day, and uh, you know, they're they're full of, you know, things that you don't want to be breathing in, things that you don't want to be wearing, and and you like you said, it's you don't want to get overly obsessed. Um, I'm I'm type the type of person that does get overly obsessed and uh, it's not healthy. Like you're gonna end up giving yourself a disease if you, you know, ironically, if you worry about these things too much. But just taking one thing at a time, you know, I'm I'm very balanced with my wife. She's really so uh, yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Van Man, they've got great products. I use their tooth whitening, eggshell tooth powder, and then also the tallow and honey on the skin and yeah you mentioned the titanium dioxide i hadn't thought about makeup uh, and you read the labels if i can't pronounce it you know and i wouldn't eat it probably shouldn't come into contact with me um, right. and so i think there there is tons of opportunity because there's so much of that out there and uh, it starts with folks like yourself, the Wolfshire and these other brands tackling one problem at a time. And what you mentioned with gratitude really resonated with me as well. It comes from a place of serving. And when you provide value, you receive value in return. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, Chase, this was an amazing conversation. I want to thank you for sharing your time and before we go, uh, I will tell anyone listening to check out, you know, your website, the Wilshire. We've mentioned the Instagram handle. Uh, maybe a quick word about the products. You've got two pillows available and a third on the way. Is that right? Yeah. So we've got this toddler uh, toddler pillow, which is also a travel pillow, and then um, and then we're our standard pillow, which is basically a queen size um, pillow. Uh, we are going to be um getting organic pillowcases organic cotton pillowcases on the on the line um we just need a little bit of help uh, sewing them but um and then we have a nursing pillow like the the boppy style i don't know if you're familiar with it's like a c-shaped pillow um there's not very many wool ones on the market uh so i think it's a good i think it's a good opportunity and uh we know our you know we know our materials we know where they come from so um really excited about that uh that's coming pretty soon we've just been really busy this past month um but uh we're looking to get some some local help and then um yeah we'll have that um yeah we we have plans for a camping pillow um which would come with a compression sack and it'd be all natural materials basically like the toddler pillow but be able to compress um we really want to break into the camping world because um like you go to rei and uh and everything in there is synthetic everything in there is unnatural it's the bright colors it's um you know polyester or 
you know, uh, rayon or whatever it is. Um, I think there's a disconnect there, like camping in nature with synthetic material. Like uh, it's nice. You know, polyester keeps rain off of you, you know, but uh, I think, I think people need to kind of learn to harmonize with nature rather than like fight against it and treat it like it's some, you know, exterior thing. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I'm going to be keeping my eyes open for that camping pillow. I was talking about how I go on these hiking trips. I've got a synthetic one where, you know, I blow air in, into it and it inflates and then you roll it and get it out. So it kind of compresses. It's incredibly convenient for traveling out there when, you know, space is at a premium and you get on these multi-day hikes. All right, well, we'll end it here. And um, Chase, thanks again. And I'm really looking forward to continuing to follow and support you guys as you grow. Yeah, thank you, Austin.